0: Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just thank you, Father, because you are always there. Even when we don't sense it, we don't see you, you are always there. For your promise is there for us. The promise of the one who is true and faithful, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. As Paul said, even in the prison, the Lord is at hand. At the courtroom, the Lord is beside me. God who never leaves or forsakes his people. This morning we come to you once again and thank you, Lord, for you are here in our midst you said when two or three gather in my name I'll be in your midst we praise you we worship you we honor your presence Lord now Father I pray you speak to us I teach but you speak you speak otherwise the words will just fall to the ground for you and you alone have the words of life Speak to us, O Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. After the service, you can go in and see our new four speakers. God is good, right? We just have to be still and wait. It will all be added without costing us a pie. Just just don't rush with life, okay? Look at the church as an example of your life. So everything has come in and we didn't have to do anything. It will come in its own time. Okay? It will come in its own time. Otherwise we will, I mean, it's a simple lesson from life. Otherwise we will waste our resources. And then later it'll we'll say, ah, I shouldn't have bought it. It just came free. Somebody gives you a gift and two weeks before you went and bought the same thing. Right? <laughs> Everybody's looking at each other. <laughs> 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 <Just do it. laughs> okay, okay, so, okay, yes <laughs> be still how much how much we will save in time and resources, you no know? peace, peace, most important thing in life. Let me tell you, on this side of eternity, the most important thing is peace, because all these things causes anxiety and robs peace. So let's look at. Becoming, okay, remember, we are learning about, like the B attitudes, God is somebody. And when we are born again, we are born of Him, and at the end of the day, all of creation is groaning to see like father, like sons. Sons means daughters also, okay, Krishna, don't stare we're daughters too, okay, okay, daughters too. And uh because for the sons of God they were revealed. So we are becoming something. There's nobody who is static. Nobody who is there's nothing called static in the world in this universe. Either you're becoming like God or you're becoming like the devil. Even the demon demons are changing, becoming more and more evil. Remember the fellow that went out and brought seven more wicked than him. So even they are not static. (laughs) <laughs> I think, like the angelic hosts, learned the wisdom of God from the church. The demons learned wickedness from men too. Okay, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. There are men who are more wicked than demons, and they learn because God breathed into us, so we have our intelligence on and it is perverted and goes the other way. Even the derm- demons are learning. That's how some who were evil when Satan fell became more evil after man came. So, don't blame it on the devil, everything, okay? So, we go to Titus and we're looking about becoming. From different portions of the Bible, becoming. We be just about be holy, All right, Be holy, becoming something, okay? Be Okay, if you look at the context in which Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Britain, he doesn't say he calls those who were persecuted and had to run away. He says, we are pilgrims. Jesus said, one of the ways of escaping persecution is, if you are persecuted in one city, go to another city. Because they have been dispersed. But when they have been dispersed, they are not called the persecuted. They are not called refugees. Hmm? They are not called aliens. We are called pilgrims. Okay? We are pilgrims. Most of us sitting over here are here, except for Hannah. (laughs) Over there. Okay, Localite. All of us are here because of different reasons. Because God actually supernaturally had decided we would be here. Okay? And Hannah, he had supernaturally decided she wouldn't be anywhere else. Okay? Because if we are in his book of life, everything was ordained by him before the creation of the world. So wherever we are, remember we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims. And then in verse 2, elect, elect, meaning all those who are saved, were elected even before the foundation of the world. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. For what? For the sanctification of the Spirit. The Spirit would set us apart continuously. Continuously. Okay. The Spirit is the actual person who sets us apart from the world, from the system of this world, and towards God. It's the Holy Spirit who does. Sanctify means to set apart for a holy use okay, it's the Holy Spirit who does it for obedience, okay, obedience, again, obedience comes over there, okay, and we shall not go into obedience because faces will fall, and sprinkling, I don't want to hurt your chins, that's why, and sprinkling, when it falls, it may hit something else, (laughs) the sprinkling (laughs) of the blood of Jesus Christ, okay, you see, all that is connected with sanctification, the Holy Spirit sanctifies, our obedience sets us apart. One child, Joseph's obedience, set him apart in the whole family. Our obedience sets us apart. Okay? And the blood of Jesus, when we fall, when we confess, the blood of Jesus cleanses, sanctifies us of all unrighteousness again, sets us apart. All this is part of sanctification, of making us holy. Grace to you and peace to be multiplied. This is this is the context in which he's writing. Okay, you see, you have to read each of the verses carefully, and honestly, I want to tell you. If you want to understand what a believer's life is, after those 11 chapters of thesis, the most logical text in the entire Bible, first 11 of Romans, read 12. Words by words how it is put across, we will see our life there. This is what we have to be. 12, chapter 12, read chapter 12. Everything falls into place after you understood the first eleven chapters, read twelve it falls into place okay don't ever think God oh, is not a logician okay it falls into place but go in order so this is the order and then looking at verse fifteen and sixteen, this is what he said but as he who called you is holy, why should we be holy because the one who called us is holy okay that's the reason we always need a reason. God gives us a reason. Okay, why do you, why should, why should I be holy? Because I am holy. When I called you, it was to live with me forever. And the one who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Question, why should I be holy? Okay, I will be holy, but why should I be holy in all my conduct? Because he who called you is holy in all his conduct. That is how it falls into place. Okay, we need a reason. Because we are going to live with somebody who is holy, not just holy, holy in all his conduct. So in the angelic realm, in the spiritual holy realm, what happens is that I believe every, there's no time, so we cannot talk even about time. Let us say in every nanosecond, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, all of eternity creation will be knowing God is emanating from Him. And every, let us say, every ray of knowledge is holy. That's why they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Holy. Why do they cry out? Because every second, the knowledge of God is filling the universe. And as it fills, one thing they realize is, you know what, He is what cut above. When Gabriel looks up, after standing before Him for a thousand years, a million years, every second he realizes, oh, I thought I knew Him, but... He's still a cut apart. and that's what we will realize always. You know what? All eternity will realize. You know what? He's far above us, and it is not demeaning to us. It is exciting to us because the call from heaven is, "You come up hither, come up hither." Okay, so that's how. Because it is written, "Be holy, for I am holy." So it's going back to the old covenant where the law is given and Israel is being asked to be holy. Okay, so the first step. Okay, remember the Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The first step is always, or every step after that, is a step away from something to a step towards something. Like all of us who came, okay, okay. closest is Hannah sitting over here, neighbor because Appu is not here. So one step she took towards the church was one step away from her home. Two steps towards the church was two steps away from our home. Every step you take towards God, remember, you will always have to step away from something else. When you're talking about holy, being set apart, every step you take towards God, you'll be always stepping away from something. So it is a conscious choice. It is a conscious choice. Okay? And the purpose is, we're looking at the marriage, context. Marriage is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The purpose is intimacy, oneness. The whole purpose is, God has said, as we are one, let them also be one in us. That's the whole purpose, that we become one with God. So we saw last Two Saturdays, because last Saturday was pastor's conference, we saw the four formats. We saw in how man is when we are born. We are part of God's creation. So I was just a creature. He was the creator. And second was that as, as many as who received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. I was just a child. and I believe most of us, all of us are still children. Okay, We will look whether we are children or not. And then we saw we become a son. Okay, as many as led by the Spirit of God are called the sons of God. And we saw the fourth one is that friends of God. Two are mentioned by name in the Old Covenant, but I do believe there were others who were friends, especially Enoch had to be a friend. Probably closer than Moses or Abraham. Okay, Enoch was a friend. So we see friend of God is the final. Okay, and you need to realize this friendship is important in any relationship. Any relationship, okay, and especially in marriage. It's very important. And honestly, if you were to ask spouses, is your husband your friend? Is your wife your friend? I don't want to know the answer. Is he your friend? Okay, so friendship is elevated. That friendship, when Bible talks about friendship, not the worldly friendship. Even in the worldly friendship, you will see friends share everything which they don't even share with others. And smart mothers will always know their children's friends. Always know their children's friends. Be good friends with the friends of their children. Because you will get to know this is a battle we have to fight. Separation is not easy. It's a battle we have to fight because it's a fight or a battle of faith. Even holiness is a battle of faith. See, we saw in Exodus 19, God tells how he loved them. They were the weakest, not the greatest. He chose them to be a holy nation and a nation of priests. Okay, and he goes and tells tells Moses, go tell the people, do you want to be this? I brought you here, I set you free. Now you have to choose whether you want to be mine or not. God gives us a choice. Okay, gives us a choice. Do you want to be separated unto me or not? If so, you should say yes, and I will tell you how to be separated unto me. Everybody was excited, they said, yes, we want to be. We also begin by saying, I surrender all. (laughs) Then we realize in that all, how many else are there? But they did not realize it was a battle of faith. In Hebrews 4 and verse 2, the Bible says, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. In the gospel is the message, be holy as I am holy. They did not mix it with faith. Therefore, it did not profit them. What happened? They lost that battle. They actually, if you look at Israel, they lost the battle of separation. Therefore, they lost all battles. That was the first battle they lost. They lost. That was Balaam's doctrine. Balaam said, told them, you know what? You can, you can get their God. You cannot get their God to curse them because he's blessed them. But you can cause them to destroy themselves by not being separated. Not being separated. That was a doctrine. And that destroyed Israel. The same thing destroys the church. Destroys the church. It was a battle of faith. Okay? So even holiness, you have to bring faith into everything. Then only you realize it is a battle. If it's a battle, you have to fight. Okay? You have to fight. And it's true about us too. Everything in, with God is connected in faith. Mm-hmm. And faith comes from? Hearing. hearing. And hearing from the word of God. So when the world is so busy, the forces behind the world, trying to conform us into its image. Okay? The world is constantly trying to conform us to its image. Remember, the image is masked. The image is masked, but the core of it is evil. If you look at one John five nineteen, we know we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, control of the wicked one. And if you go to Matthew six thirteen, Jesus says, "What is our prayer?" Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. One of the things which you need to understand is that behind evil, there is a personality. If you don't understand that, we will not understand evil. Behind holiness, there is a personality. It's a personality. That's why the Holy Spirit is sent to us. Without the Holy Spirit, nobody is going to become holy. It is impossible to become holy. How did we become positionally holy? When the Holy Spirit came us and birthed us through God. That's how we became positionally holy. How do we become more holy or more righteous? Only through the Spirit of God. So holiness has a personality called the Holy Spirit. Evil has a personality called evil evils. That is a, it's Satan, the evil one. Okay, um, underneath him are billions of demonic evil spirits. Note this. So there are personalities. So the God who is holy. Is represented to us personally, individually by the Holy Spirit. That is why the coming of the Holy Spirit is the beginning of new creation in us. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall receive forgiveness for the, or the remission of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That is the person who teaches about the holiness of God through the Word. But remember that's where we saw in first Peter 1 okay and uh, chapter verse 2 obedience comes we cannot be holy unless we make a conscious effort to obey the voice of the holy spirit okay and the voice of the holy spirit is first is to come out before he can take you somewhere in come out okay remember All that Pharaoh was trying to stop. Moses said, came and said, Thus is the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go. Israel is my firstborn. Three days journey. Three days journey. Meaning, first millennium, second millennium, and the final millennium. Three journeys, three days journeys later only, God will have a people fit for eternity. It will take 3,000 years of the gospel. Meaning, after Jesus has lived here for a thousand years on earth, ruled on a thousand years, the saints have to see the nature of wickedness. Then only they will understand God was right in all his ways. It will take three thousand years, three days separation, before people will be willing to truly sacrifice and serve him. True worshippers will be at the end of three days. Okay, That is the prophetic picture. And you saw the compromises the Pharaoh was trying. You know, it's old messages. So many compromises. Why do you have to go stay here and worship? Or go far. Don't go too far. Go little. Don't go too far. Let the men go. Leave the women and children behind. Or let the men, women and children go. Leave your wealth behind. Compromise after compromise was over that one question. Separation. And we need to understand when it comes to separating from the world in our minds, how many compromises are there? And these are the voice of the enemy. Why should I leave everything? Why should I separate like that? Why, why, why compromise after compromise after compromise? Because you know what? If you do not come out, you cannot go in. The devil knows that devil understands you can never be holy like i said one step away from the world is one step away towards god you will be always separating from something and then only you can separate unto something okay if it is by god in romans 117 for in it the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed from Faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When it says, just shall live by faith, the fundamental, when you're applying faith to holiness, living is a 24-hour activity, so holiness touches every aspect of our life. It cannot be said that Sunday is a holy day, and Monday to Saturday are working days. God says, I said, my just shall live by faith. I told Israel's problem was that, okay, Sunday is a special day, set apart, Sabbath was set apart, okay, that did not make the other six days unholy, because a nation itself was set apart for God, their time was set apart for God, their life was set apart for God, you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and everything touches that holiness. So when Bi- Bible says three times, right? It says three times in Romans 1, 17, in 3 level, and Hebrews 10, 38, three times repeats, the just shall live by faith. Meaning faith has to touch. Holiness has to touch. Every aspect of our life. So when it says by faith, it means we separate ourselves from the basic principles of this world that does not agree with the word of God. Or rather, that does not agree with the spirit of God. Word of God and the spirit of God. Because we need to understand behind evil what is there, behind this world what is there. It's an evil personality. He's been given one verse Best to understand the devil is uh, Revelation 12 and verse 9. So the great dragon. First name given here is dragon. And we know the great dragon next door is China. What does China do with all the countries around them? Intimidates. Intimidates. Dragon. What does a dragon do? It intimidates so that you will buckle under pressure and finally agree. intimidates constantly. Intimidating. Intimidating. And they swallowed it's Hong Kong. Now their eyes are on Taiwan and all the other little, little nations around Intimidation, the dragon intimidates. If he cannot intimidate you, he will subtly deceive you. The second is the serpent. He'll change his nature. He'll come. And he will, he as, he actually is after your best interest. I am for you. India, China, bye bye. Okay, we're not talking, we're not talking about the Chinese people, we're talking about the Chinese government. The dragon. Okay, the dragon. So first is intimidation. If intimidation doesn't work, he will try deception. He will try both. Deception. And then he is the devil. Meaning he's the accuser or the slanderer of the brethren. And then diabolos. And then he's Satan. He's the opposer, the adversary of all God's plans on earth. The four names are given. So, he intimidates, he deceives, he accuses, he opposes, and what does he do? He deceives the whole world and is the evil one. So, there is a personality. Behind it all, there is a personality. Okay, Remember, there is a personality like last Sunday, last uh, two Saturdays we met, we were all creatures, as the Bible says in Ephesians two, it says we were all sons of disobedience. We were controlling, we didn't even know he was controlling us, but we thought we were in control, but we were all sons of disobedience of that spirit of air, air, okay, we were that. Then we heard the gospel. When we heard the gospel, we repented, we believed, we became a child of God. We became a child of God. Now let's go to one John chapter two verses twelve to fourteen. I write to you, little children. So what is the first thing we knew? The excitement of that this thing. You know what is that? We have forgiven. You know we have forgiven. Let us say uh, okay. Okay, Emmy is here. I can't see Emmy. Let us say Emmy did something. Not on a Saturday, but on a Friday she did something, and she is scared. She is terrified. Okay, Because her mother said, "When evening your daddy comes, I wanna tell him." She's petrified. Oh my God, Daddy's gonna smack me. Daddy's gonna smack me. I don't know whether he smacks or not. Daddy's gonna <laughs> smack me. Okay, don't misunderstand all who are hearing online. Okay, <laughs> he's gonna smack because we, as principal, don't smack uh, the girls. Hmm? Okay, gonna smack me. He's gonna smack me, and then Daddy comes. Okay, and. Uh, Mama says, you know what Emmy did today? And he says, what did it do? Emmy, daddy, I'm sorry. Okay, forgiven. Can you see her excitement? She's excited. Okay, she hugs her daddy because she's expecting punishment, but what she got is forgiveness. Little children, I write to you because your sins are forgiven. That's the excitement of salvation. You were headed towards hell. We understood where we were going. We were Headed to hell. We are forgiven. We are saved from the greatest catastrophe any man can face. Okay. But remember, children know only that. They primarily know only the forgiveness of sins. Meaning, they'll continue in that circle. And they will come back and say, I am sorry, sorry. In the beginning, faster, then slowly, slower, 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 slower. Okay. That's a danger. Okay. Now come to verse 13. Next two categories. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. That's third category. Fathers, only one thing will say you have known him from the beginning. You have grown in the knowledge of God. So there's nothing more instructions for you. I write to you, young men. Okay, so from child, you become a young man. From child, you become a young girl. Now, we are not talking about physical age. We are talking about spiritual realities. You could be 80 years old and be a child. Okay, you could be 20 years old or 30 years old and be a young man. You could be 40 years old and be a father. That is Joseph. Okay, understand Joseph. He's a father, he's a child. That's why he was preening his coat and all. He was still a child. He had to grow. Then he becomes a young man who overcomes evil in Potiphar's palace and in the prison. And then at 40, he's a father, takes care of his entire household, shows grace and mercy, kindness. So understand, we are not talking about physical age. We are talking about spiritual age here, okay? So I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. So this transition from child to young man is a very difficult process. Because when you have become a young man, you have understood that personality called the devil. You have understood his ways and you have overcome him. You have transited. You have overcome. The wicked one, meaning there is a separation. You have separated yourself from the ways of the world because you don't see the devil, but you see how he operates in the world. You have separated from the ways you're thinking. Everything has is no longer conforming to the pattern of the world. You are conforming the pattern of God. So you have overcome the evil one. So that is the important part. How do you know where you are reaching is because look into scripture. I write to you children, little children, because you have known the Father. They have not known the Father from the beginning. They have known the Father only in the beginning. (laughs) Okay? They have been progress father. Okay? Progress father. Okay? And now come to verse 14. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. You have understood him. Okay? From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, you understand. This is not that anybody can know God fully. Okay? I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So to young men, same thing is mentioned in both verses. What is the quality of young men? They have overcome the evil one. They have overcome the devil. They are not intimidated by the world. They don't allow him to deceive him. Deceive them. Okay? They are not slanderers and gossips. And they don't listen to slander and gossip. And they are not afraid of him. He is the adversary and they are willing to fight him. They are not afraid because they have understood this fellow can be defeated because Christ has defeated him and shown us the way how to defeat him. Okay, so understand that is how it works. So when it comes to children, what do they know? Forgiveness. And in that letter, if you look, one instruction is given to the children. The last words in John 5.21, Little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Now, when we are talking about idols, idol is anything that replaces God in your life. We saw yesterday morning, you know, if you look at idols, (coughs) now uh, it's idol season. Okay. And uh, I don't know when, when that immersion takes place, you will see the idol controls their life. They carry the idol, but actually the idol is controlling their life. And even the government, all the way to the Supreme Court, It went so that they could immerse it in this. You see the idol controlling your life. So whatever controls your life becomes an idol. Okay. So you are not led by the spirit. You are led actually by that. So we will see we do not have any idols. No, we are not talking about physical idols. Ask this question. Are you controlled by anger? Are you controlled by jealousy? Are you controlled by envy? Are you controlled by bitterness, unforgiveness. You look at all these things and you will suddenly realize we are children. Because these things are what children control. That's why I said you could be 80 years old and be absolutely angry, short tempered person. And God says, child. Saved, but child. Saved child. Or you could be always worrying. Worry is an idol because it replaces the peace of God in your life. Worry. So what happened? You are still a child. It has got nothing to do with the knowledge of the word of God. It is what controls you. Like I said about Martha. Martha, Martha, you are troubled by so many things. She did not hear one word Jesus taught in the house. Why? Because her idol was worry, anxiety and mad with her sister for not helping her. Meaning those are people who get so easily distracted. Are you easily distracted? Because you have an issue. You've got an idol in your heart. Why is Martha distracted? Jesus is teaching. She should be so excited. Jesus has come into my house. She should be listening with one ear what he's teaching. Indeed, she's so upset her sister is not helping her. You know, one little thing distracts people and they're not able to hear anything God is telling them. It's because there are idols. There are idols. That is how you identify idols. And if you have an idol controlling your life, it doesn't matter what your age is, how long you have been in church, how many gifts of the Holy Spirit you manifest, you are still a child. Because church in Corinth was full of gifts and they were squabbling like crazy. You know why? Paul says, you are all children. You are all children. So this transition from child to youth... There is an enormous separation that takes place. You have understood the wiles of the devil. You have understood. You have over, he who's born of God overcomes the world. And how do you overcome the world? By your faith. You overcome. When you say overcome the world, is it the principles of the world of the devil by which he controls? Okay? Understand. So this is where, where. And you know one thing about children? Okay? If you one thing about children? Babies? Take what the baby enjoys from him or her, the child. They will throw a tantrum. How do you know a child in the church or in the house? Touch their idol, they will throw a tantrum. Touch their idol. They get mad, they get angry, they get upset. Touch that idol. That is how you know you're idle. See the see. This is what you need to understand. You know. Can you give me that words? The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah. No. Yeah. Pastor, refer, ready references here. So I don't even have need to bring these notes. So he g- will give me. It's not, it's not yeah. Not that one. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Let me have it. Read that verse carefully, okay? It's not coming at you. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You know what the Bible says? We actually don't read these words carefully. It does not say we are deceived. It basically says never, ever trust your heart. Never, ever trust your heart. That's why in salvation, the Bible says God has to give us a new heart. It doesn't say he gives us a new mind and a new body, new lungs, new, nothing, only heart. Because the heart is deceitful. It is constantly deceiving us. That's where the enemy operates. And what does the world say? Follow your heart. The Bible doesn't say you are deceived. The Bible says you are being deceived constantly if you rely on your heart. Because the heart is deceitful. The nature of the heart is to deceive because the devil is a deceiver. And your heart is in his manner. The heart deceives. And desperately wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. It is deceiving and it is wicked. Who can know it? You can, can you know the devil? No, you cannot know your heart either. So don't, simple thing, don't rely on your heart. Don't rely on your heart. No? Okay? It's one, it's a good thing to have a heart attack. I'm talking about a spiritual heart attack. <laughs> okay? Okay. So if you look at it, what the word of God is saying, you know, we need to understand how do we get deceived? How do we get deceived? It's because of our heart. And this, God has to give us a new heart. The old heart is deceitful above all. Don't operate on the old heart. Okay? So if you look on those two things in uh, verse 13, right, of 1 John, sorry, 14, 14, where they overcome, what is mentioned over there, they are strong. And second, the word of God abides in them. Two things I mentioned. About. Why do they overcome the evil one? One, they are strong. Second, the word of God abides. Abides. Okay, the word "abide" is important. Okay, the sun abides forever. Usually, we are slaves. We come in and go out. Come in and go out. We don't want to abide in the presence of God because He makes us uncomfortable. The sun abides in the house. We. Saw that in John chapter 8. And here the Word of God, He has learned to abide in the Word. And the Word of God abides in Him. Two things. One, He is strong. So the simple question is, how does one get strong? Like, example we used, no? I mean, Thursday I used is that for generations, India has been playing cricket. Indian was always famous for spinners. It never really produced fast bowlers. Why? Because we didn't have the physique and the stamina. Because most were vegetarians. So spinning is easy. Just swinging, okay. Fast bowler, you are, you are, you have to do a 100 meter dash. And then send it at 200 miles per hour. Okay? For that you need stamina. For that you need to eat meat. And if you look at the testimonies of our Venkatesh and Sri and all who became fast bowlers, they started eating meat to get stamina. So what you eat is what makes you strong. If you look before the Second World War, Japanese were all short. After the Second World War, Japanese are all almost six feet now. Why? Because once the Americans came in and ruled Japan for two years, the diet changed. They still use chopsticks, but they eat American meat. <laughs> <laughs> Their diet changed. High protein diet. Suddenly they are all. We think they are short. They are not short. They're very tall. They are very tall. You have to look at my nephew. He's six feet plus, six feet two or something. They are not short. They're very tall. Okay, now why? Diet changed. What you eat is what makes you strong. Okay, now we. Got excited because we thought about physical strength. us see, the same excitement we can transport to spiritual things. Hebrews 5 and verse 14. But solid food, okay, I like the KJV version. Solid food belongs to those, yeah. Solid food belongs to those who are of strong meat. Belongs to them that are of full age. Okay, you have transited. From child to youth, you have come of age, so you can eat meat, can eat meat. Even those who by reason of youth have their senses exercised to discern both good. How do you know you have eaten meat? Because you are able to discern good and evil, spiritual, spiritually. You are able to discern what is good and what is evil. How do you know? We have a baby upstairs. You put some anything other than milk in our mouth, she will spit it out. She can't handle it. She, she won't able to handle it at all. Okay? So what happens is one of the issues the churches have become so weak is and the continuous feeding of milk from the pulpit around the world is because people are not able to digest it. See, they don't have attention span. For the word alone, 15-20 minutes later, they struggle. You know why? Because they have not come of age. They refuse to grow. See, spiritual growth is a choice. Physical growth is not a choice. You automatically grow. Spiritual growth is a choice. They refuse to grow. You have to make these choices. They refuse to grow, therefore they don't come of age. And because they don't come of age, they are not to be able to eat strong meat. And because they are not able to eat strong meat, they are not able to discern between good and evil, and they get deceived. And there's idol factor. Idol factor. It doesn't matter how many you immerse the next one rises up. Once an immersion that idol is supposed to go, you know, it doesn't work in Christianity. You can baptize them fifteen times, the idols keeps on popping up. Otherwise, first baptism, they should have all died. We blame them. We have to be blamed. Okay? What you eat matters. Look at the three examples I gave yesterday, one by one. Okay? The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. He drank from the brew. These are pictures. Physical pictures for us in the New Covenant, spiritual realities. What is that? Elijah ate bread, he ate meat, and he drank water. Okay, second set of people. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when the Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, fed them bread and water. What is missing? Meat is missing. Simple question. Can these fight? people fight evil? No, they can't. They have nothing. Do you see them on Mount Carmel? No. Do you see them fighting the enemy anywhere? No. They're all in hiding. They're hiding and eating bread and water. Elijah is not hiding. He's hid. And he's kept by God. And he's being fed meat, bread, and water. And you know what? He will stand alone on Mount Carmel against 400 prophets of Baal. All the people of Israel who refuse to take a stand against the king, he stands alone. You know why? Because he's able to discern what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, and stand against Satan, the adversary, alone. Why? Because of what he ate. See, you don't need company to stand alone. You need to eat right. Joseph stood alone. He did not need company. Daniel stood up alone. You know why? Because of what he ate. If you have two is better than one, but if there is not two, you should still be able to stand. But you will be able to stand depending only on what you eat. And the third category of people are there. Eighteen. Yeah, I gave you. Now gather, send, gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. 450 prophets, so it's 450 and 400 prophets, Asara, who eat at Jezebel's table. Where do they eat? at Jezebel's table, at the table of this world. See, if you look at the numbers, if all of them came, there's 850 prophets of Baal and Aserah who have eaten at Jezebel's table. And then one, Elijah, who has eaten the meat of God's word. And he's able to withstand 850. Easily. This is the best Ahab and Jezebel can produce. The best. And he could stand alone against all the wizards, All the sorcerers, all the witches, all of them come together as one gang. He stands alone. Why? Because of what he ate. So eating matters. So how does a young man become strong? He becomes strong because he consciously chooses his diet. Right? If you go to our... Jimmers are there. It doesn't show on them. The only Jimmer in the church it showed was Eric. Ah, Eric has lost. He's come down to 60 kilos or something, he said, because he's not going to the gym because of the lockdown. No? So he says he really come down. You know, what does your trainer tell you? Eat this, eat this, protein, 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 protein. Six, that nephew of mine, you have seen him, no? You know, he was a thin little fellow in school and every week the school would call, come and pick him up, he collapsed in the assembly. <laughs> Honestly, he was, he was a fellow who collapsed every week, we used to pick him up from the school and now you saw him? You know, when he comes here, six egg whites, eight egg whites in the morning. And the yellow all goes down the drain. What does he do? Change your diet. The young man who wishes to grow strong in the physical world changes his diet. They have this big, big dabba, so what? way, right? Yeah, protein shake and everything. Now, all for that, for building up muscles. You change your diet. But please understand, it is not enough to eat. What if you eat all this and every day you have loose worships? Does it work? What does it mean? Your system is rejecting it. That's basically simple. Your system is not digesting it. Your system is rejecting it. That is what James 1.22 says. Mm -hmm. It is not enough. Be doers of the word and not hearers alone. You have to digest it. Where does the digestion shows? It shows in your action. It shows in your action. Otherwise, you are only deceiving yourself. You go to the gym. You shake these bottles. You wear all that costume. Muscles are the same. Nothing is changing outside. You look like, in Malayalam we say, you look like Bruce Lee's brother, Mr. Irkali. Irkali is that little thing with which you make the broom. So, when we see these thin fellows going to the gym, Kerala's joke is Bruce Lee's brother. Herculee is going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay? You are, what is happening? We are hearing, 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 hearing. But nothing is digesting. Nothing is showing in our life. What does the word of God says? You are deceiving yourself. Why are you deceiving yourself? And you don't realize? Because the heart Is it deceitful above all things? How did the heart deceive you? The heart deceived you by saying, because you go to church, and because you sing, because you lift your hands, you take your Bible, you write all these notes, you never miss a meeting. The heart said, you are a young man. It deceived you. You are not overcoming the evil one. Okay? Digesting. Third, it is not enough to eat and to digest. The third thing, second corinthians five seven For we now walk by faith you see what does it mean walk by faith whenever something we have heard from God understood from the Word of God and we do it, it becomes a work when that work becomes consistent in our life, it becomes a walk in that area it becomes a walk like uh, not today's IT people, they never know what day they will work, what timings, they are never sure. If their lives are in the hands of their management. No? But the rest of us, we know after some time, we don't need an alarm. We don't need an alarm. It was not easy in the beginning. But we don't need an alarm. After that, At a consistent time we wake up. But first it was a work. We heard, we exercised that work. We heard, we did it. We heard, we did it. We heard, we did it. Now we do it without even thinking. It has become a walk. What becomes a walk, which is by faith, which is connected with God, not by sight, which is connected with the world. There are a lot of people who appropriate things, a walk by sight, which is from the world. There are us, or we are called to appropriate things from God, which is by faith. But when it becomes a walk, it becomes part of us. It becomes part of our character. It becomes part of character. Okay, It becomes part of our character. That becomes part of us. That is what it is called of God becoming. A walk of faith. By faith, the qualities of God, we have appropriated consistently practicing it and it comes to us. It is our nature. Old thing has passed away. New thing. You know, put on Christ, Paul will say throughout his epistles, put on, we have put on Christ. And Paul is finally able to look around and say, you know what, now I look, I think I have changed completely. There's nothing of the old in me, therefore I no longer live. I no longer live. How come you can live? We still see, you know, you didn't know the old me. Old me is gone. All that facet of the old man's character, I have put to death, and replaced it with the character of Christ. And you know what? Christ loves in me. That is the walk of faith. Each area, different, different. We probably will look if we have time only in one area. Okay? So please understand, sight is also a walk. Not that everything in sight is bad. The problem is not that everything in sight is bad, because sight also uses qualities which are godly and righteous but the problem is the purpose is bad you you take all these good qualities practice it and use it for the world you don't use it for the glory of god that is where the problem comes the ultimate purpose of it, it is like if you look at the book of ecclesiastics everything he did is good i mean any company will make him a ceo today if you get a man like that really you did all this we want you. We'll hire you. You can name your salary and your bucks. But the problem is he realizes it was all a waste because it was to feed his ego and not to glorify God. Pursuit of wisdom is not bad. Pursuit of knowledge is not. Hard work is not bad. Planting vineyards, garden, building. All this is happening all around the world. None of thing is bad. But why are you doing it? Is that what God asked you to do? For whom are you doing it? So intention was, so please understand when you walk by faith per se, all the things in it is not bad. But you need to ask yourself, why are you doing it? For whom are you doing? Is it feeding yourself or is it feeding God, His glory? Okay. So, so the first thing, if you want to separate, first thing you have to do is what? You have to get off the fence. Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death. See, in life, actually, you realize there are only two choices. There's no third choice. It's either life or death. It's either blessing or curses. And God says, choose life. There are no two. No, I am choosing. You no, know, he says, there's no third choice. Can I choose something else? Nothing. In this God, in this life in menu, there are only two items. Any day you go to eat, only two items. It's either life or death. Blessing or curses. Choose life that you may love. And verse 20 is interesting. That you may love the Lord your God, you may obey his voice, you may cling to him, for he is your life. You see, even life is a person. And death is a person. That's why in Revelation 20, death is put into the lake of fire. So you are either choosing God or you're choosing the spirit called death. There are no neutral choices here. Everybody is thinking that no, I am, I am, I am neutral. This God is not neutrality here. God says every day you are choosing me or you are choosing a spirit called death. And you know what? If you choose me, you will live with me forever and ever. If you choose death, one day death, Will take you into the lake of fire, I will throw you, and why are those thrown into the lake of fire because they were not written in the book of life book of life. The names were not there. So please remember, we have to get off the fence. Every day we are making choices and choices, because like I said, you are on a separate. it's a choice. And the first choice is, what am I going to choose today? Who am I going to choose today? Leave what? What makes it complex? Complicated. Simple is who is behind the choice I make. Is it God or is it devil? Is it life or is it death? Who am I going to choose? It makes choice simpler. It is not what. What becomes neutral? Who am I going to choose? Am I going to choose God or am I going to choose the devil? Okay. Second, let us look at Joshua 24, 15. We have to choose. We have no choice. Because like a long time ago, we heard, we taught, not to make a choice is a choice. Yes. Yes. Not to make a choice is a choice. But if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what? This is a personal choice. Nobody can choose for you. Nobody can choose for you. We, we cannot even choose in his case. Okay. There was a patriarchy system. Okay. But outwardly, at least he can choose for his family. Inwardly, he cannot choose for his wife or his children. They have to personally choose. It's a personal choice. Nobody can choose this. You can be taught about it. You can listen to cassettes about it. You can. All kind of things can be done. The best environment possible, still you have to make a choice. You can have the best environment and make the wrong choice. That's Adam and Eve. Best possible environment and make the wrong choice. And they chose death. God said, you shall surely die. And they made the wrong choice. Okay, so he says, As for me, I make my choice. Now you choose. God brought you, gave you the victory, given you the land. Now you can choose. Are you going to choose the God beyond the river which Terah and all worship? Or are you going to choose the gods of these Amorites? Okay, choose. First Kings 8 21. 1821. 1821, Hannah, 1821, okay. Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Falter. Choose, he said, choose. Even now you can choose. Three and a half years of severe famine, still not making a choice. Okay. If God is, Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. The people answered him, not a word. Refuse to make a choice. But not making a choice for God is also a choice. We have to get off the fence. Mm -hmm. That is why we need very, very strong convictions about God. It is not that we will not fail. If you don't have convictions, we will not rise. We will not rise. Why did David rise? Because he had strong convictions. who God is how does he do things because with God or with Jesus who represents God to us because he came in the flesh there is nothing called neutrality no there is nothing called neutrality convictions like I said are personal it can only be taught but it has to be received personally even God does not force it upon us he said choose And ultimately he says, your choices will determine where you go. You choose. And if you say yes, and then break, consequences will follow. That's what happened to Israel. Yes, we choose God. And then the consequences follow. Mm -hmm. See, why it's so important is because in the world system, because of the deception of the world, of the enemy, uh, People make choices based on expediency. Expediency. What do I get out of this? Whatever works is fine. Expediency. Will it bring me money? Will we bring it fame? Okay. Will it bring me fame? Will it bring me numbers? Even churches are built that way. Expediency. But the kingdom of God does not work like that. Okay, so the the righteous man in the world, not in the kingdom, the righteous man in the world will only ask this question, Is it legal? The righteous man in the kingdom will not ask whether it is legal first, he will ask whether it is just. These are two different things in this world. It can be legal and totally unjust. It can be just and totally illegal. Because what is just comes from God. Okay, Right? The just shall walk by faith. How did he become just? Because he received a righteousness that is of God. People always ask this question about Rehab. Rehab is a prostitute. She has an inn by the wall. Two men come in over there. And she gives them shelter. Because she says, your God is God. How do I know? Because I know what happened to the Egyptians. We happened to all the others. I know your God is God. Our God is not God. Your God is God. I know whatever people say. And all the rumors in Jericho, they have seen your people coming. We know we are finished. We are done. We are going to die. So my request is you, when you enter into the city, please will you save me and my family. Okay, They said, Everything and they left. As soon as, as soon as she hides them on the top. When she's hiding on the top, the king's soldiers come because they have seen them entering into the inn. They said, where are they? This is the king and these are the king's soldiers. She says they left. Legally, she lied, but she was considered just. She was not considered a liar. She was just. By faith, by faith, she hid the spice. She was just: do I obey the king, or do I obey the God of gods? If I obey the king, the spice die. I love. If I obey God, they love, and I love. One is temporal, the other is eternal. I have to choose. I choose God. If they find the king finds I have died, I have lied, I die. I die. On the other hand, if I don't hide them, I still die. But I die twice. I die temporarily. I die eternally. You know what? I will only die once. I will not die twice. This is where we need to understand. That is where we have to be very careful about decisions. You know, I turn to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. I didn't give it. 7.25 Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak great words against the Most High. Who is that? The Antichrist. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High. How does he wear them out? And think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hands. Why are they given into his hands? Because he changes the laws. He changes the laws. So the government says it's illegal. And we say it is unjust. To obey you is unjust. Yeah. They said to disobey us is illegal. We say, to obey you is unjust. So saints are caught in a situation. To disobey the government is illegal. To obey them is unjust. You know what? I'll be, I'll be just. I'll be just and disobey. And the system says, you shall die. You shall go to prison. They said, well with us, you shall go to prison, or we shall die. So don't look at the legality of everything. Where the law and the justice of God agrees, well. That was how the world, Christian world was for many centuries. US was. Now US has changed. And who's got in trouble? Only the believing church. Nobody else is in trouble. Only the believing church who stands up and says homosexuality is wrong. Why? Because it's against the righteousness of God. If God says something is an abomination, it is an abomination. Abortion is wrong. Why? Because God says, even before you are formed in your mother's womb, I knew, I knit you together, I saw your substance before you are formed. Therefore, it is unjust. Government says it's legal. Church says it is unjust. Homosexuality is legal. Church says it is unjust. We will not conduct same-sex marriages. We shall come after you. So all these things we need to realize little by little by little. We are not looking at the laws. We are looking at what is just or unjust. Who tells us what is just or unjust? The Spirit of God does. The Word of God does. The Spirit of God does. Because the Word is forever settled in the heavens and the Spirit will tell us don't buckle under pressure. And they will be given into His hands during the time of the Antichrist, three and a half years. They will be given into their hands. Why? By changing the times and the laws. And they refused to buckle. They said, you can change the law as much as you want. But his law is forever settled in the heavens and in our hearts. It is written in the tablets of our heart. It is written. So understand. So, this is our problem. Like I said, our problem is with a person. 2 Corinthians 3.17. You know very well, right? Yeah, okay. Ah. Uh, yeah, 3.17. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Yeah. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What does it mean? See, we don't, we all, who all who wants anointing? Show me your hands. Who all wants gifts of the Holy Spirit? Okay, both hands up. Who wants the Lordship of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Our problem is with the person. Our problem is with the person. Because separation has got to do with the person. All the problems in the church are connected with that person. Anoint me and leave me. (laughs) (laughs) Gift me and hide from me. But don't please talk to me and tell me every day what to do. I would like to do certain things on my own. Our issue is with the lordship of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We actually fear that person. Giving him lordship. But what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? When the Holy Spirit really, really comes, neutrality goes. It goes. Neutrality goes. Because the Holy Spirit comes only one thing, for one thing, to establish the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's why Jesus said, When he comes, he'll speak about me. What does he talk about me? Geography, physics, chemistry, no lordship. He is not giving us a lecture and all. He says, When I come, I'll talk about my son. When you receive it, he is Lord of your life. He comes to establish the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So when the Holy Spirit comes, you are off the fence. Or like the Prince says, the fence is electrified. You have no choice. <laughs> Acts chapter two thirty six and 37. Let all the house of Israel know, assuredly God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Who said this? Peter, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. Now Peter is speaking through the Spirit. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Neutrality is gone. You have to make your decision. You know why we, we are indecisive? Because we are still neutral. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We do not allow Him to speak to us. The day He speaks to us, neutrality is gone. We have to make a choice. And if we make the wrong choice. Three thousand of them made a choice. Do you know about the others? No. Later, of course, some of the more of them got added. But I am saying that on that day, only three thousand. The rest did not accept. They chose not to. Verse 40. But those who accepted. 4-0. And with many other words did he testify and exhort them. What's the first teaching? Come out from this untoward or evil generation. What's the first teaching? Repent. Receive forgiveness of sin. You will receive the Holy Spirit. And what is the first teaching? Come out. Separate. Separation. So first teaching is the separation. First teaching. You need to understand. Then only they can be holy. You cannot be holy remaining where you are. You have to be separated. Look at Matthew 12 and verse 30. How Jesus says. I didn't give it to you? Yeah, 12.30. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scatters abroad. Very clear. There's no middle ground. Either you are with me or against me. He doesn't say, you are with me or without me. No, that's not what he says. (laughs) We read it that way, but that's not what he says. He says, you are not with me, you are against me. Against me. There are only two categories in eternity. Sheep or goats. Only sheep or goats. Either you are with me or without me, against me. You either gathering with me or you are scattering. No in between. Neutrality is gone. No in between. Please understand. That is our issue. Our issue with holiness, with issue of becoming is we are still playing with this. In science and all you have neutrality. Neutrons are there. In the Kingdom of God, there's no neutrons. <coughs> no neutrons. Okay. Let me tell you when you how, you how you know how you know in the kingdom of God and God, you see the, the, the difference light and darkness, God and devil, holiness and evil. right? With me? Against me. In the kingdom of God, you are certain of who you are serving. Because it's a kingdom of light. But in darkness, you are not sure. You are not sure. Have you tried walking in darkness? You are not sure where you are walking. You are not sure. But when it is light, you are absolutely sure where you are going. It's the same way. In the kingdom of God, you know who you are serving. But if you are not walking in the kingdom of God, you are not sure who you are serving. Sometimes you are serving somebody, sometimes you are serving yourself, sometimes you are serving your wife, sometimes you are serving your children, sometimes you are serving your boss. You are not sure. You know why? Because you are walking in darkness. But when you are walking in the kingdom, it doesn't matter who gets the benefit of your service. You always know you are serving God because it's the kingdom of light. and There is no darkness there. You always know who you are serving. There's no neutrality there. Jesus served mankind like no man. But he could know every moment of his day he was serving his father. And when anybody, it didn't matter whether what is his mother or his brothers or his closest disciples, tried to come between him and his father's will for him, he said no. No. And they didn't understand. They took it personally. Son, how could you do this to us? He said, didn't you know I was at my father's business? They tried to change the times, like the Antichrist. He said, my hour has not come yet. Your time is always. Understand? Times and loss. Times and loss. He said, no. The problem with darkness is darkness deceives. The world is in darkness, spiritual darkness. It deceives. Let me ask. Let me tell you this question. Understand? Why is there darkness in the world, or why is there light in the kingdom of God or the church? As we see the kingdom of God on earth, you need two things for light. One, you need the Word. Second, you need the oil, the Holy Spirit. Without the oil, you cannot have light. It will only smoke. You cannot have light. It will only smoke. You need oil. You need light. The entrance of your word brings light is because the Holy Spirit comes upon the word. The only difference between the foolish and the wise was a flask of oil. Both had the word. One did not have the oil. Okay, So we can be a church which has the word and no oil. We will smoke. And it will be still darkness and blurts our vision. And when the day approaches, we will be caught unawares. Because it is at the darkest hour, the midnight hour, the cry came, the bridegroom is here. And there was no light. But five of them had light and oil. The world is not in Darkness. Because the word is not there. Because till today, it is the number one bestseller. No book has been printed more and in more languages than the Bible. So the world is not in darkness because the word is not there. The world is in darkness because the spirit is not there. Look at John 14 and verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you what's the difference between the world and the kingdom of God on earth it's the spirit not the word because there are a lot of people who have the word in their houses and in their churches but the spirit is gone and it's the spirit that brings light the spirit of truth so when the Holy Spirit comes neutrality goes The 3,000 to whom Peter was speaking all had the word because they knew the Torah by heart. They are all Jews who had come for those mandatory celebration three times a year. All the young men of Israel has to gather. This was one of those gatherings. And they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. Everybody knew the word. But 120 had the light, had the spirit. Only 120 had the spirit. And the spirit Through them, when they spoke, they were cut. The entrance of the word brought light. And they said, what should we do? What should we do? So the problem with the world is not the lack of word. The gospel is being preached 24-7 in every language possible. The problem the world has is with the spirit. And the problem the church has is also with the spirit. Our problem is with the spirit. Because we think we can use the spirit. See? Only the Holy Spirit, that's why it's called the Spirit of Truth, can reveal evil. Can it, Because the people who crucified Jesus were the most well-read people of the world. And they thought they were doing a good thing. The Sanhedrin they could give us a run for our money for the knowledge of the word of God. And they crucified Jesus. You know why? Because only the spirit of God can give us, show us what is evil and what is good. Without the spirit, we will not really know. We can know certain things, general things, which even a normal man in the world can know. But he cannot discern beyond that. And when the... I will tell you, look at this, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. How the devil operates. No wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. How does darkness operate? Darkness operates under a cover of light. Mm -hmm. Okay, And if the Holy Spirit doesn't show us, we see only the light. How do politicians win every election? Because people don't see the darkness beneath the light. All the slogans Mm. and all these things. It's a continuous format of deception going on for centuries. But how do people get deceived? Because how does the enemy operate? He transforms as an A. The core part of him is dark and evil. But he puts a sheen above it of light. That's how you are deceived. And who can show you? But the spirit. Who can show you? Only the Spirit can show you. The world in itself without the Spirit cannot show you. It cannot. Look at, on the other hand, with God, it is different. God is core light under a cover of darkness. Are you getting it? Psalm 18 verse 11. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds. When God had to make a covenant with Abraham, thick darkness. And Moses had to enter into his presence through thick darkness. Devil is different. He's dark inside covered with dark uh, light. God is light inside, covers himself with darkness. And we have to penetrate the darkness, break through the darkness. We have to be willing. And sometimes we have to wait. We have to wait. And our biggest problem, that's why we shield our children. We have to shield our children that they do not have light before their time. Never, never have light before their time. That light should be covered in darkness. Lot of things about adult life, they should never know. They should never know. Because if they know they have gotten to light before its time, it will destroy them. Why was Adam and Eve destroyed? Because they took that knowledge before time. Yes. They hadn't grown up to discern what is right and wrong. Before time. So we have to go out to shield himself in darkness. For what? To protect us. Protect us. That's how it works. We will not, lot of things we should not know. It's a lot, how long? Says, You're not ready yet. You are not ready yet. That's why we have we have to be absolutely protective about our children. Protective about our children. We don't want geniuses in the kingdom of God. We want holy children. Geniuses are in the world. Who is a genius in the world? It's a child who knew stuff before his age. We don't want geniuses. Because it's dangerous. We want holy children. We want holy children. And that's how God looks at You are a child. You want to know things of me? You have to come through the darkness. Sometimes you have to wait. Don't run before your time because you will destroy yourself. Destroy. You are not ready. Saul was not ready to be king. By force, the crown was put on his head because of the need of the people, because of the cry of the people. And you know what? He destroyed Israel. David was chosen. Probably was 14 or 15 or 17 years old. He was chosen. But God prepared him for the crown kept him in darkness. The light of kingship came to him only at the age of 30. He had to be prepared for that. And we miss this season. We think knowledge of God is fun. It is not fun. It is a double-edged sword that destroys us if we are not ready to receive it. Because that's why God covers himself with darkness. But what the devil do, he is exactly the opposite. He covers his evil with light so that we so easy to access him and we are destroyed by the knowledge of evil. That's what he does. And that's what the modern world is. It's the tap click of a button, you have information of anything and everything and people are destroyed. Today, people are not destroyed by lack of knowledge. Today, people are destroyed by knowledge before time. They don't have the children, don't have the maturity to handle the knowledge they know. They pretend something else before their parents, but they know everything. They should not know. And they are destroyed. They are destroyed. And we need to understand this is how it works, how the devil deceives. And that's why we need the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God. He is the discerner of good and evil. What is true and what is not true. What is just and what is unjust. We need Him. Because we don't see the spirits that are operating behind. Operating behind. We don't see. That is why our issues with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Let me give you an example. Ephesians five sixteen to eighteen. What example? How we work it out? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise. But oh, I think it was fifteen or oh, yeah, um, fifteen to seventeen. Actually not sixteen, but fifteen to seventeen. See that you walk circumspectly. Just don't be a casual walk of faith. No, let your walk of faith be suspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Why? You have to redeem the time. Why should we redeem the time? Because the days are evil. And verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay. Now we are talking about evil. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Evil is a personality. Under him are billions of evil personality who has permeated the entire fabric of society. And into that, God comes and says something. You know what? Redeem the time. Verse 16. Redeem the time. Why? Because the days are? What is day? What is a day? It's time. It's says, the time is evil. Time is evil. The times we are living in is evil. Time itself has become evil. Has become evil. The nature of time itself has become evil. So when Bible says redeem the time, meaning you, say, you have to fight to make your time good. Why? Because all of us been given only a certain portion in time. To do what? To do the will of God. All of us has been given only a certain portion in time. As time has started from Genesis 1-1 onwards till the end, time is rolled up as Revelation says, like a scroll where time is no more. In time we've all been given a certain period of time. And those time has become evil. It is evil. After the fall, times have become evil. And we have to redeem that time, meaning we have to fight to make that evil time good. And without the spirit and without the word, we can never, can never make it good. It's a battle. So when we are talking about evil and becoming something, becoming holy, we are constrained by time. Time itself is evil. The times we are living is evil. The entire world is evil. The ruler of the world is evil. In that, we have to battle time every day. We have to battle time every day. That's the first battle. Right? The first battle. First battle, when you open our eyes, our first battle is not with anything. Our first battle is with time and how to redeem time. How to redeem time. Why? Why should I redeem time? Because I have been given time. <clears throat> After I am saved, time's nature changes. I have been given time to fulfill the will of God. That's why I have to be very careful how I walk. How I walk. Because I have only a certain period of time to walk. And in that time, I have to finish the will of God. And when I stand before God, I'll be judged for my, how much of God's will did I fulfill for my eternal reward. This is not about to do with salvation. But post, we are not worried about salvation. If you worry about salvation, you'll be worried because you can never save yourself. So don't worry about salvation because you cannot save yourself. But after salvation, start thinking about the will of God. Therefore, how you walk, how you utilize time, because time is evil. Redeem your time, because you need to understand what the will of God is, right? Let us say, Kritika, do you know how to play table tennis? No. So, before she can say play table tennis, she has to understand the game. Kritika. This is the table, this is the net. You can play two players or four players. This is how you hold the bat. There are different ways you can hold the bat. This is how you play. These are the rules. These are the number. First you have to understand. Forget doing the will of God. First you have to understand the will of God. People have been in the kingdom for 30 years, still haven't understood the will of God. Forget doing it. Okay? The will of God is so important. uh, First John chapter 2 yeah, the two two verses I gave you yeah, 7 the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever let me ask you let me ask you this honestly speaking none of us can see We by faith we say the world will pass away because it is written but do you see the world passing away? no, the world doesn't seem to be passing away it seems to be becoming even more smarter but look into yourself I am the only old man here, nobody hold here. Let me ask you these things, okay? Let me ask, um, Rennie, when you were a child at school, what was the game you liked best? Badminton. Do you play badminton now? You do, but do you play it like then? No. Why? The desires have passed away. Desires have passed away. Uh, so many things in our life as we grow older we will see the desires have passed away and with that desires that world is passing away for us but what do we look back we regret because we wasted so much time in that desires and in that world because we did not understand the will of God we did not walk circumspectly during those days and we did not do the will of God and therefore we look and say Lord when I reach there what do I have to show This is what it means. We have only a certain period of time. We don't have all the time in the world. We don't have. And that is why it is so important. One, a child should get saved as early as possible. Two, as soon as he is saved, he should really, parents should pray and seek teach the child to seek the will of God. Seek the will of God. Because a mother made a vow and God heard her prayer, the will of God for Samuel was de- decided even before he was conceived. This is to serve him. So it was very easy. Rebekah understood the will of God for Jacob. So set him apart. She asked what is happening. God said the younger shall serve the elder. The younger is chosen. So she set him apart and kept him with her. We know the will of God. Joseph knew the will of God for him. Roughly, he didn't understand, but he had a rough idea. This is what my will is. So we need to understand the will of God for us. Okay? Don't worry if you are late; <laughs> you still can go back because I kept telling people, "You are not going to a judge; you are going to a father." Okay? We're not going to a judge; we are going to a father. Okay? The reason is why? Because we have to fight time every day, every day. Look at Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone who enters into heaven would have done the general will of God. Everyone who receives the rewards would have done the specific will of God. It is not the will of God that any man perish, but everyone should come to the repentance and the laws. That's how. First the will of God, we obeyed, General, we repented, so we are in. That is the will of God. The second will of God is there. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is all general. This is not specific. This is all general will of God. Specific is different. The whole body of Christ, each one is a member. Each member has a specific task which only you are called to do and you have to do it. And if you don't do it, God will get somebody else to do it. So you will see many people with multi-crowns over there. Your crown and their crown. <laughs> Hebrews 10.7 What did Jesus say? Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. I have come to do your will. Statement very clear. I have come one purpose. I have only so much time in it in in time eternal god comes down in flesh becomes part of time and he knows you know what i have only so much time in this time i have to first finish this work of obedience i have to be perfect in obedience okay? i have to learn to listen to my father the holy spirit every second of the day i have to train myself to listen then when he says i have to do a ministry in the public so i have i have only this much time And have come to do your will. And where do I discover it? In the book. Through whom? Through my father. My spirit will teach me. His spirit will teach me. I have to learn. John 17. Verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Did you see? He had only 33 and a half years, but I finished my work. Done. Which you wanted me to do? All done. Is there anything left? Nothing. Everything complete. John 19. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It's done. It is done. You see, understand why? He was redeeming that time. He knew the days were evil. Come to 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy 4-7. Oh, 2nd Timothy, not 1st, 2nd Timothy 4-7. We know. I have finished the race this man started late compared to the other apostles but he was still very young he says, I have finished what is he talking about I redeemed the time I knew the days were evil I knew I had to fight every day to fulfill the will of God and at the end he looks back and he says you know what I finished I have done it done it so God has put his own son and another normal human being like us before us and says you know what Understand the nature of evil. The whole world is evil. The days are evil. The generation is evil. The power behind is evil. Everything is evil. And time itself has become evil. And you know what? You will have to fight every day to redeem the time. So that you understand the will of God. It is not just you walk by faith. You walk that walk of faith circumspectly. Not like fools, but as wise wise time matters so when we're talking about separating the way you spend your time itself separates you from the world now there are people in the world who are extremely disciplined with time for success in the world but at the end of it it is nothing now, we are not separating ourselves in time for success in the world. We are separating ourselves, of fighting with time, redeeming time for what? For fulfilling God's will. It may not look successful at all. Neither Moses nor Jesus looked successful at the end of their life. They looked like failures. But they too were the most successful, most faithful people on planet Earth because they fulfilled God's purpose for them. Okay. So please be very careful because the same principles are there in the world. But like I said, the intent is different. One is towards self. As long as you don't worship God, the devil doesn't bother. It's not mattered who you worship. You can worship a frog, a tree, yourself, in the mirror, anything you can worship. He has no issues with that. Don't worship God. Because when you worship God, everything changes. Everything changes. Okay. Galatians 1-4 who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. This age is evil. Do we recognize it? This age is evil. That anything that you do, you should be disciplined. If you are not disciplined in anything, what do you actually lose? You lose time. The only thing you lose is time. You lose time. You lose time. Like, Rennie likes badminton. I like badminton. Dr. Richard, all of us like badminton. But if you start playing badminton, people will play for two hours. Do do you need to play for two hours? No. Twenty minutes, you're done. Is badminton bad? No. Are you going to play the Olympics? No. What are you playing badminton for? Is that? Are you an amateur or are you a professional? No, I'm not a professional. You're wasting your time. They are professionals. We know what professional um, sportsmen are. That is their profession. What is your profession? My profession is to waste time. (laughs) Time pass. pass. Like I said, no? They sell it also has time pass. Right? In the train. Time pass, time pass. (laughs) You have to fight time. Remember? The spirit called Terra There's a spirit called Terra. Is Terra bad? No. What did you do? Waste a time. Abraham's time. The man who was called to start a new age. His time was wasted by that spirit. So it's Terra as a spirit. And what do we actually waste? We waste the time of God to fulfill God's will. And if the devil can't stop you from being saved, he will do everything to steal your crown. And delay the coming of Jesus Christ because you're not doing your part. The church has the power to hasten the coming of Jesus Christ because the church is doing what it is supposed to do. The church is busy in everything else except what it is supposed to do. So every day, when you are in the world, without understanding the will of God, you are either wasting your time or you are wasting your time on misplaced priorities. One of the things about time is that once you lose time, it is almost impossible to get it back. I said almost impossible because nothing is impossible with God. God is the only one who promises through joy he can give it back. Okay? So how do I redeem time? Because the days are evil. How do I redeem time? You cannot give a problem and go like, Pastor Vijay, come back next class, solve it. I want to see the answer because he was a math prof. We are not math profs. We are uh, uh, spiritual servants, right? So you cannot give your problem and leave you hanging like that. We have to look into the word of God for a solution. How do I redeem time? Because the days are evil. How do I redeem time? The first two. First, the most, the first is always the most important. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Leave it alone. That is secondary. That I should know how to speak a word in season to whom is weary. That is also secondary. What is important? He awakens my ear. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. What is the most important thing we have to learn to hear? You have to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you don't hear, you don't have a solution. It does not matter how dark your situation is. It doesn't matter how terrible you are situationally. You are depressed, you are suicidal. But if you can hear the voice of God, your life begins all over again that is Elijah, he had learned to hear the voice of God. God said, go and stand before the mountain. The Lord shall pass you by. There was an earthquake. The Lord was not in it. There was a wind. The Lord was not in it. There was fire. The Lord was not in it. Then he heard the still small voice and he came out. Where is he standing? In the mountain. What is the mountain? Zion, the mountain of God, the church of the firstborn. The church is the mountain of God. But in the church when we are sitting, we have to learn to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to hear his voice. That's the first most important thing. Not the voice of the pastor. Even the babies in the womb know my voice. But that's not what is important. You should be able to hear the voice of God through any servant of God. Any servant of God should be able to hear. Or even God can speak to you in different other ways, dreams or visions or even nature. For all of nature declares the glory of God. God can speak so different ways. But we have to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and our first and the most difficult lesson, even God's own son, Jesus Christ, that is Isaiah 50, had to learn to hear. Not only he learned to hear, he has to learn to hear as the learned. Your hearing changes. Your hearing changes. Okay. Hearing changes. Let me give you the simple example because children are here. Arundhati? Abigail? Kritika? Okay. Look at this. This is my new watch. You heard this? They all know it. Okay. This is my. This is my new watch. How many words? Five words. You know this? That sentence has five meanings. Five meanings. One sentence. This is my new watch, not that one. This is my new watch, not was. This is my new watch, not his. This is my new watch, not old. This is my new watch, not clock. Five different. That is how you learn to hear as the learned. Inflection of the Holy Spirit. Which word He puts stress on, you have to listen to Him very carefully when He speaks. When a man of God about whom I was speaking, he said, when the Lord spoke to me, he said, my father calls me this way, my mother calls me this way, the servants calls me this way, the people calls me this way. But when God called him, he said, Magane. He says, nobody calls me Magane. Though it's a common word, I knew it was God calling me. She knew the difference immediately. I had to be very careful You need to understand what God is saying and you have to learn to hear as the learned. Because God doesn't waste words. Pardon? Magane means son. No. Mothers will call their children makale. of makale, no. Appan will say the Boy, come here. Okay? Others will call you kunyay. But when God called him, he knew it was God because it was a completely different way in which God called him. God called him. No, you have to learn to hear and train your ears to distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit among a billion voices out there. You'll be able to, should be distinct. That's what it says. The first and the most difficult and the important lesson is to learn to hear the voice of God. And that can change your life. A man who is suicidal, depressed, willing to die, ready to die. Take my life. Lord, God gives him a new commission. Go back the way you came. Anoint Elisha, the son of Shafat, and this guy, and this guy. And he begins the next journey. And I believe he was anointed with a double portion at Horeb. Because Elisha asked for a double portion. You cannot give what you do not have. With the double portion which Elijah received at Horeb, he never fears Ahab, Jezebel, or anybody. Anybody comes to pick him up, he calls down fire, personally. What happened? The double portion changed him. Where did he receive his double portion? Why did he receive double portion? Because he had trained his ear to hear the voice of God, and he knew God was not in the wind. And God was not in the earthquake. And God was not in the fire. Three magnificent demonstrations of the power of God. But he knew the voice was not there. We want the power of God. We don't want to hear the voice of God. He did not want a manifestation of the power. He was waiting for the voice. For the voice. And that's where we need to understand the difference. And the second thing. Once you hear the voice of God. Mark chapter 1. And verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. You go into the new covenant, especially the gospel according to Mark. Everything about Jesus is immediately, immediately. My question to us is this, when we hear the voice of God, do we obey him immediately? He was a willing whistle. That's what the spirit is able to immediately drive him. It does not mean the wind like a wind he came and blew him off his feet. It is his own feet. It is on his own will. It is on his own body. But it's immediately is obeying the spirit of God. Immediately, immediately obey. This is important. Really, really important. That's why Jesus was able to say at the age of thirty three and have it finished. Never waste. He was. You never see him busy. Like we are, never seem idly. but he always did things immediately. Immediately. First Samuel chapter three, two and five, two to five. It came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Who is that? Samuel, the little Samuel. Before the Lamb of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he? So he? That's one thing his mother taught him. One thing you have to teach your children when they are small. When dad or mom says something, do it immediately. Do it immediately. Why should I do it? Because I told you so. A simple. You don't need a second reason. I told you so. Do it immediately. Why? Because one day when God speaks to them, they will do it immediately. It has become part of their character. If they delay in obeying their parents, they will delay in obeying God. Delay. Immediately. Can I do after some time? What did I tell you? to Do it or do it after some time? If you have to do it after some time, do I have to tell you at this time? <laughs> will you come and help me? If I if I needed your help, will I call you to do it? I told you to do it. All kind of excuses children will make. Can I do it after dinner? No. Did I tell you to do it after dinner? You know why? Because realize, children are beautiful and cute, but shaped in iniquity, born in sin. And you have to teach them to obey immediately, so that they will obey God immediately. Otherwise, Samuel will not run. If he hadn't run for his father and his mother when they called him, he wouldn't run for Eli when he called him. It was not Eli who was calling, it was God who was calling. It's important. Look at these two words in the Bible. Old Testament, used, look at that word called haste. New covenant, look at that word immediately. Immediately. And if you look the difference between these two men, In Genesis chapter 18, you have Abraham and God visiting, and you will see Abraham hastened, and Sarah hastened. Everybody is busily cooking. In chapter 19, you have the angels coming to Lot. Lot is lingering, lingering, lingering. They have to pull him out. One went into perdition, lost his family, lost everything. You know why? Because there was no haste in his obedience. The other man learned from his life of delay, and he was immediate in doing even the small things. The day of circumcision. Circumcise all the ones. Same day. What your wife said is right. Throw Ishmael and Hagar out. Next day morning. Take your son, only son. These are a hearing in the evening. Next day morning, he has learned. You don't delay to obey God. You don't delay to obey God. How do you redeem time? How do you redeem time? That's a question. How do you redeem time? You redeem time by was first hearing second doing it fast. You have to learn like telling the children, no, the way they walk my gosh the way they walk the only thing that can speed them is a dog behind them. (laughs) (laughs) You know how much time you can save. I always say breakfast, lunch, eat fast. Dinner, take your time because it's called fellowship. It's called the Lord's Supper. It's not called the Lord's breakfast. You've got a lot of things today as begun Eat fast, go. Lunch, finish, and go back to work. Don't waste time over food. Dinner, spend time over food. Why? It is fellowship time. Sit with your family, take your time, use your grinder slowly. Talk. Spend time. Look at each other. It's a different breakfast, lunch, you know. Everywhere time comes in, you redeem time. You redeem time. okay? Because this world is framed in pleasure. Yes. And behind pleasure, there is evil stealing your time. But if you learn to do things and pleasure is just a byproduct and not the intent, you will save a lot of time and when you enter into eternity, there are pleasures forevermore. Because God said, well done good and faithful servant, you denied yourself pleasure. Therefore, enter into my joy. You understood. You understood the rules of the game. Any man who competes must compete according to the rules, Paul will tell Timothy. You understood the will of God and how to achieve it. Because the world is entirely tuned on pleasure. Entirely tuned on pleasure. Children pick the subjects also based on pleasure. Easy. And finally they realize every subject is ultimately difficult. They will think this is easy now. God says, yeah, it is easy now. Go up higher. Then they changed course. Four hour changing courses. (laughs) And finally they realize every course is difficult. What did I do? Your foundations were wrong. You wasted your life. You wasted your time. Proverbs 6, 9 to 11. How long will you slumber or sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler? Actually, you are and your need like an armed man, like a bandit it will come. Lazy fellow, sluggard. Now automatically because it is proverbs and proverbs have become very secular, we take in, apply and say, children, look at this, study, study, study. This is not secular, this is spiritual. The most lazy people are found in the church in spiritual things it's not talking about secular things. With secular things, there is always motivation. Give people money, they will work like donkeys. Motivation in the world is money and reputation and pleasure. That's why they keep vending machines in your office. Drink as much as you want, eat as much as you want. Now, I heard one of these companies, they are offering them everything. There, you don't have to go even anywhere else. Everything within the company—your food, your gym, your every laundry—will be brought and given to your table. Everything as long as you're willing to work like a dog, do it. We will give you everything that you need. So, bird can motivate you with so many other things. So, this is not talking about that. This is talking about the spiritual poverty of God's people. You're there. Why does the Bible keeps on saying, wake up in the new covenant, wake up, wake up? Because they are asleep. They are asleep in spiritual things. Sleep. Poor, very poor in spiritual things. Rich in the things of the world. Poor in the things of God. And that's what the Bible. And what happens, your poverty comes in like a prowler. Your need like an armed man. Look at, you have to see old people. Around the world. You know what they used to do? They sit in their rocking chairs and rock their life away. When that is the best time of their life, because they have something which the youth does not have, youth has energy youth has zeal, but old age has all the sum total of experience of walking with God and they should have walked with God when they were young, what did the um, Solomon say So um, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before old age comes, we saw that, um, this thing of that man at 94, 95, 96 preaching, preaching And when he preaches at 95, 96, it is not just scripture. It's an entire experience of walking with God. And you listen to him and you know you what? He has something which youth doesn't have. Zach, and at 80, in their 80s, look at them. At 80s, uh, Reverend Stanley in their 80s and all of them. What do they have? Are they sitting in their rocking chairs? No. But how many are sitting in their rocking chairs and rocking their lives away? You know what? Because they have nothing to give. You know what? Nothing to give. It's because. They are very poor, very poor in spiritual things. Very poor in spiritual things. When you are old, your prayer should have so much more power than any young man's because you have walked with God and known God. When you fast, your ears should be able to hear. One meal you have missed, your ears should be here sharply because you have trained your body. When you hear the word of God, you understand it better than anybody because you have years of walking with God and hearing the voice of God. When you speak, it should be distilled wisdom. Not just wisdom, distilled wisdom. But what did you do? Waste your time. Poverty has come. But if you ask them, they can tell you everything about the world. Let me ask you this question. I'm doing myself this question. I will never go sit with an old person and want to hear about the world. I have Google. If I spent my time with an older person, tell me about God. I don't want to know anything about the world because everything is available on Google. Even how to cook with video. You know what? And that's what God is talking about. Spiritually poor poor. James 2.5 Listen, my blood, beloved brethren, hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Are you rich in faith? It doesn't matter if you're poor. It's irrelevant. Nobody's going to brought nothing, take nothing. So don't worry about it. The question is, when you go there, will you be known as somebody who was rich in faith? Rich. The experience of faith, of walking with God, hearing from God, and knowing what God did, and he says he's consistent. Rich in faith. Are you rich in faith? You know why you're not rich in faith? It's because you are a sluggard. You are lazy. When it came to the things of God, you slumbered. So the word of God says, many in the house of God are weak, sick, asleep. Why? They did not redeem their time. The days were evil and the devil deceived and stole all their time up. And now they are in a crisis. They don't know what to do because spiritually they are poor. Nothing in the bank. Mm -hmm. Nothing in the bank. Empty. Account is empty. See, there are two banks. Money is a physical bank. If you have money, you can do many things in the world. But when real crisis comes, that money won't help. Money won't help. And this is the problem. We all, with the enemy, have deceived us that we look at success in the world, that is money, we have more money now, or more reputation now, more numbers now, more. and everybody says, how great you are, not the what, you are. And we think we are We are. We are good. We don't realize the poverty of our faith. And when we hit a jam in our life, a day in our life where money won't work, reputation won't work, numbers don't work, all the people you have around you cannot help, you realize there is nothing you can do. We looked at this and tapped ourselves like the Old Testament people and said, God is with me because I have all this, without realizing the poverty of the Laodicean Church. You think, but this is who you are. You are. You looked at all these things happening in your life, which is in the physical material, and you thought you knew God. You thought God was with you and for you. You thought your troubles had eased. But when the day of evil comes, will you be able to stand? That is time. Day is the time. Remember the days are evil. If you had learned, when, if you know generally days are evil, if you had learned to walk like the wise, if you had learned to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, when the day of evil come, you would have stood. And when the day of evil came, Joseph stood. He stood. And evil got worse. It became even more evil. And he stood, unshakable, immovable. He stood. It became even more worse. Slave to dungeon, to chains, to fetters. He stood. You know why? Because when the days were evil, he walked circumspectly in the midst of his wicked brothers. He redeemed his time. Now when the day of evil comes, he is able to stand. And the day of evil is coming. Getting closer and closer. Churches are falling. Left, right and center, they are falling. They do not know you know why? Because they thought the kingdom of God was neutral. So they kept on compromising, 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 and the day came unawares, like those five foolish virgins. They kept themselves separated from the world, but they did not keep themselves separated unto God. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't wash dudes, I don't lie like others, I don't do, that's not the point. Do you hear from God? Is your flask full? Do you have oil in your flask? At the midnight hour, if there is a cry, would your light shine? Nobody wants light a day. You want light in the midnight hour. That's the question. Remember the rich man and Lazarus? One was rich. The other was rich in faith. Rich in spiritual things. Therefore, they ended up in two different destinations. Look at Luke chapter 12, 2021. 20, we'll close. Let's, with this, we'll close. This is the rich man. Okay? He was greater harvest in 2021. So he said, I'll build bigger barns. It's like merging of companies. I'll buy this, I will buy this, merge it, make it into bigger, 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 bigger. Same thing is happening today. Oh, no? God said to him, fool, Will the world call him fool? Who in the world will call Ambani fool? Will they call him fool? No, they want to be like Ambani. Who will call uh, all these people fools? No, they are all in Forbes list, Fortune 500 companies we call. None of them are in God's book of life. Doesn't matter. Everybody is saying, be like that, be like that, be like that, learn from them. The only thing that you have to learn from is that don't become like them. <laughs> what did God say to him God said to him fool this night your soul will be required of you then whose will these things be which you have provided so is he who lays the pressure for himself and is not rich toward God what is God is talking about you see when it came to my things you were very poor you were a lazy fellow you were extremely busy you never wasted one minute in the world to amass your fortune and build your companies, but it, when it came to my things, you were a sluggard. And now, the poverty has come to you like a bandit. Mm. Death is looking in your eyes. You are dying today. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to fast tonight? <laughs> you going to pray tonight? It's like two friends. One fellow said if you can say the Lord's Prayer, buddy, I will give you $10. He said, no problem. He says, Lord, I laid out myself to sleep. Bless my wife, my child and my dog. In Jesus' name, Amen. The other fellow looked at him and said, buddy, I did not know you knew the Lord's Prayer. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Two fools. Two rich fools. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see? (laughs) Poverty. The real poverty. That's what God is saying. You are not rich towards God. How did this man become rich? Because he used his time. And he said, but time was a concept which was given by me. I gave you time. One day, I will ask you account about your time. Were you rich towards me? And suddenly you will realize, I was not rich towards God. That is why we have to be very, very careful, absolutely careful about things. Don't take these things lightly because time is what is common about all of us. We are all caught in time. And the Bible says time is evil, the days are evil. And we have to learn to fight the time. First, in our sleep. Second, in the things we like. Things we like. Not things we dislike, we don't spend time, don't worry. Things we like. Third, In the speed with which we do things, and above all, how fast we obey God. Immediately. Immediately. Imagine, Genesis record would have been different. History of the world would have been different if it was written. The Lord God appeared to Abraham when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, and he told Abraham, leave your home and your country. And go to the land I am showing you. And immediately he left his home, his father, his rest of his family, and took his wife and went to the promised land. History would have been different. Because he delayed in Haran, everything else happened. Everything else happened because of that delay. Because he did not obey immediately. Every one of us sitting here, looking in our minds, we know all the troubles we got after we got saved is simply because we did not obey God immediately. We delayed. We delayed. And that is Terra, the spirit of Terra. And where did we live or maybe still living? In a vast land called Haran. It is green it is fertile. There are flocks. There are herds. There are slaves, men servants, maid servants. Spiritually, it is a parched place because you do not hear from God in Haran. Please understand Haran is not a materially parched place. It's an extremely successful place because he entered into Canaan. You know, he came with herds and flocks and pots and pots of wealth, but he never heard from God over there. So understand, when we are separating, one of the first ways in which we separate is we deal with time. Let me tell you, God has given us all enough time, 24 hours a day. The Son of God said in his last prayer, two days before his death, he said, what did he say? Maybe two or one, I don't know how many days before, maybe a day before his death, what did he say? I finished the work. Which you asked me to finish that. Finish that. I glorified your name. I finished your work and did it in a way that brings glory to your name. I did it. And on the cross it said, final test, it is finished. I finished. And another servant says, I finished. We can finish. Start back, no? It's, it's, it's like the stopwatch in your phone. You can restart. God will restart it for you. Lord, I come to you. I wasted my time. I acknowledge I wasted my time. And life is equal to time on earth. I wasted, Lord. You said in your word, I will give you back the ears, the locusts. Who's that? The devil. The destroyer. The one who eats away your destiny. Your future. The locusts have eaten. I will give it back to you. You are the only one who can do it. You are the only one who can do it. You are the only one. It's honest. True. God can do it. How does he do it? He compresses the rest of your time and makes you run fast and finish what he called you to do. If you have any doubts about anybody, look at David, look at Jacob. Look at how Jacob finishes and look at how David finishes. The Bible says David fulfilled God's will, purpose in his generation. Did you know the amount of time he wasted on stupid things? wasted. You know how many years Jacob wasted? Do you know what he says? The blessings of your father has exceeded the blessing of your father and your grandfather. He finished better than Abraham and Isaac. Though he was a fellow who wasted maximum time. Made more mistakes than all his generations put together. (laughs) But he finished well. You know why? Because he redeemed his 22 years. He wasted just lying on his bed and eating. Because he thought Joseph was dead. Nobody has wasted. 20 years he wasted in Haran. 22 years he wasted in the promised land, doing nothing. 42 years gone. And still he finished better than the others. You know why? Because the God of Israel is for us and not against us. He's for no father wants his children to fail. And how much more your father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit. Yes. Listen to him. The Holy Spirit is so that we finish well in time. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just come to you, Lord. We come to you. I bring everyone, the little ones, the young ones, the middle-aged ones, the old ones, everyone, irrespective of their age. It is irrelevant. We are caught in time. You are not. You are the only one who can turn around everything for us. For your plans for us are always good. You have no bad plans for anybody. It's always good. And you have given us time. We wasted time. We are honest before you. We acknowledge we wasted tons and tons of time. Years and years has been eaten away by the locusts. Sometimes unknowingly. But most of the time, knowingly and willingly, we wasted time, Lord. But now we stand before thee. We acknowledge we can do nothing about it. We are helpless. We have no power to change. But you have. Therefore, we come to you, Almighty God and our Father, and we say, Lord, Lord, would you give us back those ears? For you said you would give us back those ears the locusts have eaten, that our latter end may be greater than the former. For you said the latter end of the house shall be greater, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. We want to finish well. We want to finish all that you have for us. Help us to understand your will. Teach us to walk circumspectly. Teach us to walk like the wise and redeem the time, knowing the days are evil, the age is evil, the generation is evil, and above all, the ruler of this world is evil, wicked. But you are good. So we surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord, today. Not tomorrow, starting now, starting today. Teach us to hear, to obey immediately, and to make haste. Thank you, thank you, Father. Touch the little ones, the little ones here, Lord, the young ones here. And I pray, Lord, touch them specially. Let them have a wonderful start in life. That we don't go, let them go the way we went. Let them have a wonderful start in time. Children who learn to immediately obey their parents so that one day they will immediately obey God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come in the evening service also into the hand, the worship practice, all into the hands. Be with us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.